Hi, it's Milo here, and as you may have guessed because you're hearing my voice, it either means the world has ended or we needed to record a message for you and uh, Nate didn't have time to do it. Well, in this case, it's the latter, but I'm here to remind you that the election is coming up on Thursday and it's really important that up until that time, if you want to keep the worst ghouls to have ever have lived out of government, that you keep campaigning, canvassing, and on polling day, you get out and vote and also help other people to get out and vote. Um, in the show description, there's going to be some links for which marginals mostly the help campaigning wise and all the things you can do to help on polling day and so on so uh let's get out there and uh stop the fucking tories um and as ever trust no polls keep going and uh don't let them stop you cheers Best example of this, and I think the most relevant one for right now for your listeners is like, okay, so so you've got this Green New Deal concept that's becoming very mimetic and traveling everywhere and everyone's talking about the same mm-hmm. notion, right? So what happens in Brussels? They take the Green New Deal idea and they repackage it. And what do they do? They call it a Green Deal. Which green old deal. Which of course you can like call, I've had many meetings where they're like, no, 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 it's just a translation issue. You know, we're not going to just take, green, the new deal has no resonance here. Mm. But we think it's something quite much more sinister insofar as like, okay, what happens when you excise the new deal part of the green new deal? Right? You take out the Rooseveltian premise of actually investing mm. in Europe, investing in communities, making sure that, you know, there's, a, there's necessary money for infrastructure, industry, agriculture, health, habitat, whatever. When you take that out, it just becomes such familiar kind of Brussels speak, like a green deal. And a green, green deal of home. And it's such, yeah. it's so classic European Commission. You know, they're kind of greenwashing this austerian status quo and then looking out into the world, you know, you watch for this in the COP negotiations in Madrid next week, going to you know, COP and saying, we are the champions of the climate uh, movement, of the climate mm-hmm. agenda. But it's um, it's just sort of repackaged older you know, pro-privatization, pro-liberalization, pro-austerian uh, policies under the guise of this Green Deal. I mean, we talk also about the uh, the similarities between uh, the European committed, the European technocrats, the Eurocrats, the kings and queens, the sort of the startup Habsburgs of Brussels. You know, and you can see the similarities as well with the Lib Dem manifesto, who's which may and, and their because their main um, policy around fighting climate change is largely to uh, invest in startups. Uh, they they assume it's like well we have to if we want the climate change to be fought we have to make it so that there's an attractive environment for business to invest and for startups to grow sort of infinitely profitable mm. so we can assume that they will invent some kind of desalinator that you know will solve all the problems it's exactly extremely right. Simpsons voice no startup has ever been bad for the environment so what are some of the specific uh, proposals of this terrible uh, green old deal this green we're going green for the 1990s in 2019. So the crucial mechanism that w- would help you understand w- what exactly this green deal is, is what they're promising to do is, okay, what, they're pro- what the headline policy says is 110 billion euros every year invested in ecological transition. Mm-hmm. Okay, So that's 1.1 trillion over 10 years. Now, actually what they're doing is they're promising 110 billion of unlocked private finance. So what they're doing no. is they're, they're using the European Investment Bank to unlock private investment by essentially making loan guarantees and de-risking investments for private investors. Holy shit. What they've done is they've taken stopping the death of the human species entirely and they've turned it into a bubble. Right. It's a classic thing. So it's sort of socializing, socializing the risks uh, and privatizing the gains from the green transition, which is mm. fairly, fairly classic. But 
uh, for for the European Union. You know, so it's just very, it runs it runs so counter to the premise of the Green New Deal as all of us understand it, which is muscular public investment for public ownership to guarantee decent jobs, all the kind of stuff that we understand mm. in its incarnation in the United States or in Britain. But all they're of taking that good it, shit, all the good shit that we associate with. Um, with AOC and with uh, with the Labour Party or the Green Party's uh, plans plans here at West at Westminster, so they've taken that idea and they've inverted it while co-opting the language uh, and uh, delivered this plan that really does not stand to benefit Europe citizens at all. It's really amazing this shit to me, like the extent to which the kind of like the neoliberal politicians and even the European ones who I always credited with like being a little bit more sane than the British ones, because at least like there's a bit more of a tradition of slightly more left wing politics in like France and Germany and whatever. They they really they're so determined that like no state should profit from any investment. Like they just they're so desperate for like wind farms to be privately owned and like it's like but they're profitable. Why wouldn't you want the government to they all make money? for the like it just doesn't even make sense on their own principles like do you not want if you had more money you could reduce taxes if you wanted to like, I don't I don't even understand it from their own principles we're back to German sadomasochism I mean they just love yeah. Yeah. the Germans just really hate the idea of debt even if you're making an investment that's obviously going to have huge returns um, mm. because any of these investments it's just low hanging fruit in the green transition not to get too deep in the weeds of, uh, of the sort of economics here no please do but but uh, the Germans are so averse to the idea of public spending. I mean, they just refuse to let go of the, of the grip of this austerian notion, mm. even as the Germans go into recession, even as German manufacturing plummets, even as the Eurozone basically tips into negative growth. Mm. They're just unprepared to say, OK, it's time to spend because they just love ripping themselves apart. I mean, it's a deeply, it's a suicidal economic policy. So as the Eurozone tips into negative growth and as the European Union has essentially announced near unlimited fiscal firepower to guarantee um, a, any green themed private investment, uh, what can we expect in terms of like the extent to which this will actually work and the extent to which this will just become an enormous bubble that blows up in what, two years? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, it, all this remains to be seen. A lot of the substance of this policy remains to be seen. If, if the European Commission just took its seat on Sunday and they've promised to deliver in the first 100 days. So I've seen a leaked memo of what their plans are, but it's still quite vague. Um, you know, I was think- that also leaked by Gibbo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the memo was actually, it was tattooed on the side of a dick. I, I got another yeah. squatty dare from 2017 that was just somehow incredibly prescient. It's like, uh, yeah, they said that uh, John Claude Juncker's passed away. You're going to need to fit in your black kit bag. You're going to need 14 packs for Stroop waffles. Um, right. So, sorry, carry on. No, 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 no. I mean, I was saying, uh, yeah, so they've promised to decarbonize by 2050, mm-hmm. which is supposedly this great radical tri- triumph because they're going to be the first carbon neutral like continent 2050 there's going to be what like five people left alive exactly so that's a, mm. that's that's what we but they'll be very rich people, they will be yeah. rich people. <laughs> they'll be super rich and to be fair we will have decarbonized because there will be no mm. one left yeah. yeah and actually people are made of carbon so the more people that die the more you decarbonize the economy so i think and of course it's coupled with these like really <laughs> bad you know anti-environmental policies at the nation state level. So mm. the classic case is there's a new gov- right-wing government in Greece who are very pro-fracking, you know, selling off their oil fields, selling off offshore drills to Exxon and Shell and whatever. Mm. And of course, you know, one spill in Greece in the Aegean Sea just destroys the tourism industry, which destroys, you know, 25% of the economy. And, and there you go. We're back mm. to the 2015 again. Mm. So he's just like, they just really can't get enough of the self-destruction. Um, and then of mm. course, 
China comes to town and they freak out. And they're like, how dare you talk to Xi Jinping? And they're like, well, come on. You're not giving us anything here. Throw us a goddamn bone. So the the same policies that we talked a lot about in 2015, this kind of um, self-flagellatory economic policy that refuses to deliver on any investment for the European member states continues to be a fundamental core of their of their policy thinking. Well, it seems they're, they're very willing to intervene um, when you want to, say, raise your minimum wage, but they're very unwilling to intervene when you want to frack an entire country. 